Hello? Break Your a leg. Talk Radio.
Welcome, everyone. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a Reiki master and certified sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you, thank you, thank you all for tuning in to this, the very first Energy Awareness Show of 2013. I intend this year will bring to you and yours an abundance of only the very best that life has to offer. And I thank each and every one of you for tuning in every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room. However, I'm having some technical difficulties tonight, so I can't promise anything. It's really not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. (laughs) I think it has something to do with our guest tonight. (laughs) It took so much effort to get this show together. I just kept getting bounced out of the system, and I think it has to do with the person that we're going to be speaking about. But Go ahead and post your question on into the chat room, and if I can get to it, I will certainly pose the question to our guest. If you are on the go and you cannot continue to listen online, you can call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227 and listen via phone. But please, when you do, be sure to use Bluetooth if you're driving about. We're kicking off this new year with a most wonderful guest tonight, Dr. Cherie Silber, who is a psychic and medium sensation. Dr. Silver is based in St. Augustine, Florida, and she's guided thousands of people through problems in their lives, loves, and careers, and she's reached beyond to help them reconnect with loved ones who have passed on. She has a Ph.D. in metaphysical philosophy and is a certified hypnotherapist, Reiki master, and author of A Voice from Heaven, which is the book we will be discussing tonight. Dr. Silver is recognized everywhere ever since she appeared on the reality show Wife Swap and then won a subsequent viewer's choice contest to be one of the families featured on their 100th episode opposite Mr. Heen, who just happens to be the dad of Balloon Boy. You remember that story from 2009, the kid that wasn't in the hot air balloon, but everybody thought he was. Dr. Silver has appeared on the Larry King Show, Entertainment Tonight, Geraldo, Greta Van Susteren, and CBS Morning News, as well as Good Morning America Now, and a variety of radio broadcasts. And she's here tonight, and I'm so grateful that she's able to join us. Good evening, Sherry. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you being this evening? Oh, I'm wonderful. It's it's wonderful to be here. There's a lot of energy. I know yeah. that you're feeling it. <laughs> There's and, a lot of energy. <laughs> well, anytime you talk about heaven and you bridge the gap between that world and this world, they're very excited on the other side and very excited to make contact with us. So, you know, it wouldn't make, you know, it wouldn't be regular if we were just talking about something that happens in this world. So it's normal for there to be a lot of energy. Oh, my goodness. Just just putting the show together was crazy. It never takes me as long as it did, and it, it was just so funny, and I kept thinking, the main character, I shouldn't say character, the person yeah. in the book that used to be, well, maybe it is a character. A character you know, you're yeah. Papa. Papa, the main character in the book, Papa, I swear he had something to do with this, but, you know, we don't know that for sure, so, you know, thank you, Papa. But <laughs> let's start with a little bit of background, because, I mean, I've read your book, so I'm familiar, but a lot of people might not be familiar, so why don't you tell us, you know, a little bit about your background, how you came to do this work. Okay, um, with the work itself, when I was three years old, um, Papa's wife, my nana, um, she passed on. And I was three years old. I knew nothing about anything. All I knew that she was wonderful and I loved her. I saw her every day. And all of a sudden, she disappeared. 
And to a three-year-old, that was very, very dramatic. She was gone. I was devastated. I didn't understand gone. I didn't understand where she was. All I knew is I felt the loss of her so deeply. And one night, she came to visit me. She sat at the end of my bed. She was there in full form. She sat at the end of my bed, and she said, I love you. I'll never leave you. I'll always be here for you, and you can count on that. And I ran into my mother's room, apparently, and I called my mother a liar. I woke her up. I said, you're a liar. <laughs> Nana hasn't died. She just came to visit me. And, you know, my mother didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to say. And from that point on, I was aware. I was awake. I, I had bridged the gap very early. So the sensitivity level and the feelings that I had were very strong because I always knew that we weren't alone. And so um, for pretty much my whole childhood, I was made fun of for being too sensitive. Now I get paid for being sensitive. But. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, but um, basically, so, so my world, very young, was exposed to things that other people, I read books, I um, studied. I went to see a medium when I was 12 years old, and I witnessed the mediums giving readings to people in the audience. And I was just blown away. And at the time, I was going to a Jewish school because I was raised Jewish. And I went to, I wrote a school report about that we don't die and heaven's real and all this stuff. And they didn't like it too much. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so from there, I did mainstream America. You know, I was in real estate and the finance and loans and banking and and I actually went for a reading in England at the same place I'd gone when I was younger. And the lady said that it was time for me to do my work. It was time for me to do readings. Before that happened, I'd actually learned how to do hypnosis and was working just doing hypnosis. And this lady said to me, you're scaring your clients, my dear. You need to do readings when you do readings and hypnosis when you do hypnosis. And I was like, what? No, I don't do readings. That, that's not what I do. And she said, oh, no, you need to do it. And so I came home and I put the tiniest ad in the yellow pages and my very first client was a police officer. And so so it was uh it was very challenging and um I continued in my work and I did both and then I learned Reiki in eighty seven and I continued with everything I was doing. And my grandfather was very open to metaphysics. He was very interested in it. But we didn't really talk much about it. He was one of those grandfathers that came to visit us, and uh, he's, he lived in New York, and we lived in California at the time. And one day we went to the mall. My mother was walking off with my father, and they were shopping and everything, and we were standing there. And I knew he was getting close to the time that he'd be leaving, you know, because he was older and I was moving to Colorado. And I said, Papa, I said, when you go to the other side, you'll have to tell me what it's like. And, you know, I was just kind of joking, really, and we were just talking about it, and I asked him why he never remarried. He stayed single from my grandmother dying for 40 years, and he said, when you've got the best, why have anything else? And That's sweet. <laughs> yeah, so he, you know, he was very dedicated to her, very much loved her. And um, anyway, so I didn't think anything of it, and he did pass on. And in about 99, um, he appeared to me in a dream, and he said, Sherry, it's time to write that book. And I was like, what book? No, we're not writing a book. What are you talking about? And he said, um, again, the next night he came again. He said, it's time to write that book. And I said, 
oh, Papa, you know, all right, fine. We'll. I didn't think of it as a book. We'll sit and write together if you want. And and I knew how to do automatic writing, but I never really did it on a full-time basis. I'd worked with clients, but I never did it for myself or worked with anybody on the other side on that level. And so I lit a candle, which I believe everybody can do. I lit a candle. I said a prayer. And I said, okay, Papa, what do you want to say? And so for the next two years, <laughs> almost nightly, we skipped some nights, um, I'd ask him questions, and the thoughts would come into my head, his answers, and I would write it down. And he was with me for two years. He told me when we were finished, and it turned out that it was the last two years of my 15-year marriage that I didn't realize but he was there for me for the end of my marriage and um, through many things that happened to me. So it was just interesting that that was the time that was picked for us to talk and that was the time that, you know, was scheduled for me to end my marriage. Well, that and, was, man, it's all divine timing. So Yes, yeah, absolutely yeah. divine No timing. accident there. <laughs> no, and, and, and I at the time... I was going to school during the time writing the book with him was when I had the opportunity to go get my Ph.D. in metaphysics. And so I was asking him questions. I was asking him things that were happening to me. I was asking him what it was like over there and what he did and and what he knew and what he didn't know. And um, it was just really amazing that Sometimes I I got very confused about what he was telling me, but I made a very definite attempt when I had the book typed that nothing changed. Everything that he said was put down. I didn't want to change it, put my thoughts into it, my ideas into it. It came directly from what he told me. But the, it's funny you said how difficult it was just to put my bio together. My father and uh, my grandfather, um, the first time I gave the book to somebody to type for me, uh, she was trying to change some of the things that he was saying. And her typewriter, she messed up so badly. And in the end, she said, I can't do this book. She said she felt that it was, you know, that my grandfather wasn't letting her type it. And mm-hmm. I ended up having to have somebody else type it. And I had to be there for every word <laughs> to have the book typed. So yeah, You could have done it yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and And I think it was because... You know, whenever you do things and you receive information, I, as a medium, a lot of people will say things like, I had this happen, I this happen, am I going crazy? I hear him, I see him, my picture fell off the shelf. You know, um, I feel like a song's playing in my head that we always loved. And am I going crazy, you know? And, and they don't know what's really happening to them. And there's such a fine line between this world and that world that it's like a curtain almost. And and just because we feel gone, because we can't see it, it's just the same as you living in another town to me. And I know you're there, but I may not necessarily see you. Well, that's how close heaven is to us. Right. Well, that's why they call it the veil on yeah. the other side. But I want to go back and ask a couple of questions. You said... <laughs> At the very beginning, um, that you went into your parents' room, you're three years old, you said, you know, you told them that she, you told mom she was a liar and that your grandmother hadn't passed away. Now, she didn't know what to do. But your parents, in your book, you mentioned how they were going to be trained to be psychics. Were they all Later. Psychics? No, much no, later. later. Yeah. Did they, when, when you did that, did they realize you were having a psychic well, event? 
or did they? Well, no, just... no, no. At the time, my mother was married to my real father, and she didn't leave till I was uh, eight years old. So I was only three at the time, and my real father was very close to metaphysical and all this stuff. It's that when she got together with my stepfather that she started to explore metaphysics, and that was right about the time that I was 11, and that's why I was... Right, you well for you. Yeah, you know. No, in fact, she was told... It's very interesting because the dates that I started to write to my grandfather was 99 through 2001, and my grandfather, and I, just when I was reading it over today to, to prepare for this um, show, I realized, which I had never realized before, he actually made a prediction for me. He told me that I was going to get, a, in 99, he told me I was going to get a very important call, because I said, what's going to come in my life? And he said, you're going to get a very important call. It's going to make you very happy, and it's going to change your life. And I said to him, will, will I become famous? And he said yes. Now, this was in 99. In 2007 was when I received the call for the TV show, the first one. And before that, I had no, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anybody. I wasn't pursuing it. I had a store, in fact, and I was working and having clients and doing workshops and classes. But I really had never, you know, gone out into the media world or hired anybody. And and when that happened with the first show, I mean, millions of people watched the first show. In fact, it's still playing. You know, they still play it in the archives, you know, in Lifetime. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the second show, obviously, millions watched it. It was their 100th episode. And so uh, I definitely, I didn't even remember that my grandfather had told me that in 99. So I thought that was very interesting. He also said that there were going to be big changes on the earth, he said, in 99. And uh, um, it was going to affect everybody and change the way we saw things for a very long time. And two years later is when 9-11 happened. And I I really believe that that really woke everybody up and changed the way everybody looked at things. And, you know, because he said heaven was going to get very taxed. And Mm -hmm. the tsunami a few years later with all the people dying at one time, Mm -hmm. You know, and people see what happens a lot of times is when people go to the other side, they don't expect to be alive. They can say to themselves, "Oh yeah, it's heaven," you know, but they don't really realize that they're still them, and so it's kind of confusing for them. So even the people on the other side that when they help people prepare to go, um, if you're not expecting what happens, you're very confused. Okay. You know, it's like it's like you say, have you lost somebody close to you? Oh, yes. Right. And your perception of what happened to him, right? What do you, My perception? I think they go on the other side. As far as I'm concerned, they're still here. There is no other side. Exactly, exactly. So well, they're in their space, but they're still with right. you. Right, yeah, oh, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so... But the natural thing is to believe like they're instantly happy. And the thing is, what I've seen in my medium work is they're not instantly happy, especially when their loved one that they love here is grieving very intensely. It's very hard for somebody, would you be really happy if your child is hurting? Would you be really happy if your wife is is, is devastated and she can't even leave the house? I mean, Love doesn't die because we leave this world. So our assumption is, oh, well, they're happy they've gone to heaven and they've left us. But the thing is, they're not. 
And a lot of times they're almost in a holding area. I've seen many holding areas where they first leave because I've had clients say to me, why don't I feel him? Why don't I see him? Where is he? And, and, and you know, why is he not coming? He believed in this. Why is he not coming to me? Well, sometimes it's not in your best interest that he comes to you right away. You know, that grieving space is there for a reason. And so we must realize that if we're really hurting, they're really hurting for us too. They don't stop hurting because, you know, they've gone to the other side. Mm-hmm. They still I think that... I, 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 from what I've heard from other people and actually experienced on my own, I mean, I know that, for instance, I was at a wake last February, and three hours later to the minute, the woman whose wake it was came to see me through a medium. Mm-hmm. I just happened to have an appointment with the medium that night, and she came through, and she started telling me all about her, and I said, I need to stop you. I just slept her wake three hours ago to the minute you started talking to the minute. And I said, I don't understand. Is she not having a good time at her wake? I mean, she must be bored out of her mind. Why is she buzzing around? And she said, oh, no, she's laughing. She feels very free. She said, it's very freeing when they are out of their body because now there is no pain or anything. So there's that type of freedom. But, yeah, they still can. They, they of course, know what we're doing over here. And I'm sure they're going to feel for, you know, they, they hurt for us because we're here. But I think they also probably you know, feel like, okay, I'm on this side and they're free from their pain, but they can also help us from there, even though yes, they're not with and they us help in the physical. Us, right, and they help us by, my grandfather said that, you know, um, what, when we feel things for them or we feel them, um, a lot of times we might deny it. You know, we might deny the fact that they're still there with us. You know, I, I asked my grandfather in the book, what happened when you died? Okay, and he said, he said, I realized immediately I was out of my physical body. The sensation uh-huh. was very familiar. I saw things in vivid color, brighter than on earth. It was beautiful. I had a thought and it appeared. It scared I- me. I never realized how quickly thoughts could materialize. The amazing part was the lights, the lights around everything, colors beyond what our eyes can see. Where am I? I thought to myself. Instantly, I heard music playing. I couldn't move. It engulfed me. I felt my heart expand. I cried for joy. I then found myself in a rest area. I was taken care of, fed, and given time to adjust to my new surroundings. I didn't stay very long, but I remember it was quite beautiful and similar to a cabin I visited in the mountains. I recall there were people with me. So, and then after that, then he was allowed to visit family and everything else. But mm-hmm. you know, when, so there's when, like an orientation period, if you yes, will. Yes. Okay. And, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That makes every, sense because you don't know where you are. It's a new place. It's like exactly. Being, it's yeah. like if you went to a class and you it's your first day of school and you're sure. trying to figure out how 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 is this happening? What is happening? I'm supposed to be dead, especially for people who actually believe that. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard for them to make the adjustments. Now, when they've had things left undone, when there are things happening on the earth or people are squabbling over family and and money and wills and and all this stuff, you know, um, everybody's different. I mean, I've had people here that were young that have appeared, you know, that have come to the loved ones that were 16 and they had an accident and they died, all the way to an older man who had trouble with his adjustment on the other side. So it just really depends on the person. It's not you are free of your physical body, but you still have your astral body, and your astral body you have every night, so it's familiar and it's comfortable, but it's still an adjustment to make. Mhm. 
You know, I, the the one thing that I felt about um, working with my grandfather and doing it, how how easily he didn't know everything. Like he was privy to some information, but he didn't instantly because, you know, he's now on the other side that he knows everything about everything. He didn't. There were certain things that he was allowed to know, and there were certain things either he did know, but he wasn't allowed to tell me. Okay. Well, you that know, makes more sense, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, you know, when we, we're here to grow, and, and when we're growing, you know, we we instantly, you know, we want it all done. We want it all tied in the knot. We want to know exactly what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. And, you know, sometimes that's not in our best interest to know those things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not in our best interest. If we're here to grow and we need to be in this, say we need to be in a relationship, right? And we tell ourselves, no, we don't want that relationship. We want to know what's going to happen with that relationship because then we'll just leave it. Well, if we need to be in that relationship to heal the past, to grow, then then there's no point knowing, you know, you, you well, have no, to. Well, no, because you have to grow. If you just, if, if you if you knew everything, you wouldn't learn anything from it. Right, right. So and, you have and, to go through the growing process, yeah. Yeah, and when I said to him, do you feel sad when you leave the earth, he said, in a way, you feel everything, and yet you feel nothing. You're sad for the people who are hurting that you left behind. You are thrilled to be where you know you belong. You are frustrated that you didn't accomplish more in your life. You are happy you came to earth. All these emotions all take place at the same time, he said. Mm -hmm. So you have many things that you have to look at. And if you're not happy with what – I had the client today, and I asked her, I said, if you left the earth today, would you feel that you lived a fulfilling life because she needed to make changes that she wasn't ready to do? And she said, no, I'd be very disappointed. And I said, well, there's your answer to what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and we have so many things that we tell ourselves that fear stands in my way. My grandfather addressed fear a lot. He addressed, he addressed, He was really driving home the point of getting rid of doubt, too. Yes. Which is also fear. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, the whole, yeah, he was driving that point home throughout the entire book. And the illusion. Mm-hmm. The illusion that we see ourselves in, you know, and we make everything so big and so important, you know. And it's not. No, it's well, I just not. had a conversation with somebody today, and we were talking about how, you know, people argue within marriages, and then I work in a lot of hospice situations, and uh, a spouse is passing away, and and I had saw this person in the hall, and we were talking about it, and I said, you know, I just don't, I never understood fighting. I never understood what is there to fight about, and he said, oh, gee, a million things, and I said, name one, and he says, I don't know, you know, you want to paint the wall one color, I want to paint it another, I said, no. No, you have to name one that's real, because that's just stupid. That's not worth fighting about. What is there that's really worth fighting about? And he, Did you he really, feel the same way before you lost the person you loved? Yeah. Right. See, yeah. so you, you I, knew it. I have never understood it. You can talk about things. There's no reason to yell at anyone. There's no reason to yell and scream. There's no reason to, to uh, you know, throw, throw, be slanderous or call names or do anything. There is no reason for that because 
when you do that, you're doing it to you. We're all part of each other. So if you hurt somebody else, you're only hurting yourself. It's going to come back and get you. That's what that expression means. It's going to come back and bite you in the butt. So why would you want, if you can feel someone else's pain because you feel your own, why would you want to hurt someone else? There is no point in fighting. Life is too short. The life that we live here on this planet is too short to fight over anything. It's just stupid. You have to just have some sacred space where you can say, we can have a discussion, they, yeah, but fighting? No, and when people start to attack me or they'll say, you know what, you do this or they're sarcastic, I just back off and let them be because I figure, well, this is their, you know, this is their Michigan's right here. It says nothing to do with me. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to walk away and say, okay, they'll, you know, they have to get over it on their own because I don't need that energy, and I refuse to take it on. And I think too many people want to quickly go into a, oh, yeah, well, you did this. Oh, really? I mean, that, I just I don't understand fighting. I never have. Yeah, and and I think a lot of times when when my grandfather talked about fear, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like it's an ego thing. If I don't have the upper hand or win this fight or whatever it is that I think that I'm winning, um, then my ego is bruised, you know, because when we're younger – you know, we battle, we're battling all the time with our parents. We want to do this. We want, they don't want us to do it. We want to do this. We want to do it. So we learn how to live a life where we're constantly battling. You know, I want you to do this for me. You have to do this for me. And so I think it's laziness that doesn't allow people to really communicate. It's, yep. it's much easier to turn around and say, oh, well, I want to do this, I don't care what you want, you know. And and I think part of growing up, and that's we're supposed to be able to grow up, I actually had a situation on the holidays where one person said to me, I don't want to go because she's going. I mean, and these are grown adults, you know, and I'm not right. going to go. Cause, and, and here they're both people that I'm close to, and, and it's like, Oh my God! Are we really doing this? Are we still in high school? Are we are we are we still saying? You know, it's not like you have to be right next to the person. You can dance on the other side, you know. And um, but we do have these attachments to people, and I think that's because of reincarnation. Actually, I think a lot of times we come back in relationships um, with people that we might not necessarily like very much, but we're forced to work it out with. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so reincarnation actually forces us to do what you don't like and, and which is like to face the people who really probably hurt us and, and, and live it again and try to get through it without um hurting ourselves through the process, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and and many, many teachings talk about reincarnation. In fact, the Bible actually had reincarnation in it. My grandfather talked about it in the book. And um, there's all studies now that prove that, I mean, when children like what happened in Connecticut die at a very young age, you know, you're like, well, what did they do? Why why would they leave the earth so young, you know? I mean, what point is it for that? You know, seven years, eight years? I mean, how could they have had a full life? Obviously, they didn't. And my grandfather addressed it in the sense that, Sometimes we see people leaving as a bad thing, but really their soul grows tremendously, not only in this world, but in the other world, too. We don't stop learning because we leave this world. We certainly can't can't take any of the money with us, and we can't achieve on the level financial that we put so much emphasis on in this world, but we certainly continue to grow. 
And that, that goes in line with what Lorna Byrne, who uh, wrote the book A Message of Hope from the Angels, she was on the show in November, and she was talking about just those types of instances. Now, it was before the Newtown, Connecticut shooting, but there have been an awful lot of incidences like that recently. And she was saying, you know, when people are coming in, when we're coming in, our soul knows exactly how long we're going to be here. And we know yes. if we're going to be a miscarriage. We know if we're going to be a stillborn. We know if we're going to have a short life. That's our journey. We chose it. She sees angels every single day. She has since the time she was a child. And she said, we chose this. She said, but you know, it's hard when it's children and it's darn hard when it's children. Right. It's darn hard. You know, nobody wants to believe that part of it, that they could have chosen this and there's a reason for it. But I really believe there's a reason for every person being here, for every person leaving, and that we all chose our journeys. And I don't think anybody, a lot of times people will say they left early. I don't think so. I think we all leave when we're supposed to leave. That's well, your number's up. Your number's up. Yeah. When I went through, I went through a loss in my life about three years ago, and I really saw in in the past life how I'd also gone through a loss with this same person. And in the past life, I had... Um, I had died over the loss of him, and um, I knew that this time I wasn't allowed to do that. You know, I had to do. So it you died of a broken heart. Yes. To, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, yep. and 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 so, and I had a grandmother, a different grandmother on my father's side, who, when her husband died, um, she 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 was uh, totally an invalid. I mean, she. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't leave the house. She couldn't do anything. And my father was raised by his brothers and sisters because of her inability to, you know, be a mom at that point and because of the loss. And she died. And I knew these stories, and I knew that I had to be stronger, that I had to, no matter how bad I felt, I needed to get myself up. I needed to still feed my kids. I still needed to do what I had to do. And it's very devastating as you know, to lose somebody you love. And even mm-hmm. though we know what we know and even though we know that they're still here and even somebody like me that can contact loved ones and things like that, um, loss is loss. And, oh, yeah, you're and, still going to grieve. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and there's no way you can say to somebody after a year of losing a 46-year relationship, oh, please get over it. You know, it, right. it, it just doesn't work like no. that. No. There's a time, as you know, where it comes to you and you say, you don't ever forget the person and you don't ever stop caring about them, but that you do form a new life for yourself. Even if that life is different, you still do form it. But you can't say to a person, oh, we'll get over it. But I do feel going to a medium or talking to people or being in support groups, I think it does help because... You know, there's a time when no, your family doesn't want to hear anything about the person that is passed on. And there's time your friends, who you have for a long time, don't want to hear anything about your husband. But there are people out there that are going through it, too, that will hear it every single day from you. Well, because, and I think, too, if you can kind of, you know, when you're the person who has lost someone, and maybe this is just me, but you can kind of think, well, at least I'm grateful for the time that I did have because I had an opportunity to be with this person for a certain length of time. Um, I mean, I lost someone that was very young and, and it, you know, it, it was and very close to me, and it was horrible. I mean, you know, it, it, she was a child, and it's 
it was horrible, and every Christmas it comes up, and it, it reminds me of her again and again and again, but I just keep remembering I would not have had that time with her if I didn't know her at all. So I'm grateful that I knew her and I was able to spend time with her and be with her, you know, and give to her as she, and she gave so much to me, so many lessons for a young, for a seven-year-old, so many lessons did I learn from her. It was crazy. And I think if you can try to look at it that way, and that's hard to do. It's so hard to do, you know, but you have to find something. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the memories, you know. But the thing is, they have the memories too. I had a very interesting, I've had a couple of very interesting different type of things that I've done with medium work. And one of them was I worked with somebody who I did medium work with, but really her and I became very good friends through the process. And her husband would come to me often, but sometimes it wasn't even planned. And I didn't even know all the stories with her and her husband. But Mm -hmm. I would say things and synchronicities would happen that there would be no way I know. One of them was really funny. One day I showed up at her house and I said to her, oh, my God, I'm just craving soup. I just don't know why, but I want soup. She goes, soup? And I said, yes, I just feel like I just have to have soup, and I'm thinking it's coming from me. I have no idea that this is their anniversary of when they met. I didn't know. Ah. She had never said anything. And so she's like laughing to herself, and she says, soup? And I said, yes, why? And she said, that was the last meal. Me and my husband cut up all the vegetables, and we were ready to eat, and he ended up having to go to the hospital, and that was the last meal we were going to have that we never had together. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Something so silly, but not silly, that meant so much to her, and I had no idea why I was saying it. And because sometimes I don't think I'm doing a medium reading, because when I sit down with a person, I know I'm doing a medium reading. But when I I knew her so well that it was happening automatically. And I also had a time when... um, I had I was hired for several hours to do medium work with de- different people, and I allowed the people to taste food. One of the one of the um, entities that wanted to come through to give me a message wanted to try certain foods that he missed, but he couldn't have it there. He wanted to try it through me, and and I thought, well, I've never done this before, but okay, I'll try it, you know. And um, it was an amazing experience to have to almost taste food for the very first time, you know, and, and be a medium at the same time mm-hmm. and see what he experienced. So, so there are things that we have on this earth, you know, that they do like and they did enjoy. And, and so times with you, like you said, they love those times with you. So mm-hmm. when they can come back and tell you how wonderful it is and how they feel and that they love you and they want to, they want to. It's it, it's not they're not being made to. They want to. And I've had similar instances happen. I have a friend, a very dear friend, who is a wonderful medium, and she will be talking to me, and all of a sudden, it's not that her voice changes. It's just the way she starts to talk, and I think, uh oh, here we go. And yeah. And they're coming through, and she's giving me messages for myself or my friends or something like that. And these people just bust in because they know they can. And they're like, oh, you know, Lisa's on the phone with tea. Let's talk to her, you know. And it's yeah. it's crazy stuff. It's crazy. But it's really great because that's when people know. It validates that these people really are here with you. Now, in your book, 
a voice from heaven, you actually give directions for contacting your loved one on the other side. Because we all can do this. People don't believe you can, but anybody can do this if you just practice it. It's, it's like going to the gym. You have to work your muscles to get them to tone up. If you work this muscle, you'll get it to work better for you. So you offer this in your book, which is wonderful, because people actually can begin to do this themselves. And they, you know, go to a meeting and have, medium and have it validated, but they can actually do this themselves. And right. was that something that you decided to put in there, or did Papa tell you to do that? Um, uh, no, at the end, he told me to do that. And, okay. and and the reason I also felt that it was important is because um, sometimes um, we we have these ideas and thoughts, but we deny them and we say they're silly. And if we tell anybody else about them, they certainly, you know, in the olden days, people like you and I might have got locked up, you know. Oh, in yeah. The, the, the nice I'm sure I was. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't been yet. You know, I know. You know, it was, it, it was a really amazing thing when um, – uh, I, for the wife spot thing, when I was on wife spot, they, they send a psychologist out to evaluate you and before they let you go on the show. And several hours, the therapist is with you and your family and the children and everything. How and, did you get on the show? <laughs> uh, well, you know, exactly. So when he's evaluating me and everything, and I said, he said, okay, you're, you're normal. You can get on the show. And I said, oh, wow. I said, what would have happened 100 years ago, you know? And then when I said to him, and he had Mr. Heaney, and and I was going on the show the second time, I said to him, he's crazy, he's a lunatic. And he said, no, he's not, he's just eccentric. Ah. (laughs) And I I said, no, no. He goes, no, I've evaluated him. He's not not crazy, he's just eccentric. And I said, oh, okay, all right. You know, and and but but yeah, they 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 gave me a good standing that I was sane, so that that was nice. <laughs> yeah, most people don't have papers saying they're sane, so you're doing better than most of us. Well, you yes, know. you but know, those papers if you you know if you've been evaluated. You know, um, what do you feel is probably the most important piece of information that Papa gave to you? I think, yeah, I I I feel that he helped me know that having fear was illusionary and the and the not moving forward with my life because I was afraid to was gonna fear was never going to go away unless I faced it. Nothing I could have done would make fear go away until I faced the fact that I was unhappy in my marriage and that I just couldn't stay married anymore. And even though my children were young, they were three and six, I just knew that I just couldn't be with this man anymore, but I was so scared to leave him. And my grandfather gave me the courage to know that until I did it, I wouldn't know how I felt. I would always wonder, but I would never know how I felt. And I can honestly say, even to this day, and it's been many years, it was 2000 when I separated and 2001 when I got divorced, there's been no day, no day in my entire life that I've ever wished I was back with him. Never. That's that's really beautiful because he was able to give you the faith and the trust that you needed just because he was there. So when people are doing the exercise that you give, which really is not, it's not that difficult an exercise. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, when, when, when we're talking about connected to our loved ones, Whenever you have an intention 
And that's, the, I think, uh, what was it, Wayne Dye wrote a whole book about intention. Mm-hmm. When, when you have an intention about something and you want to do it, then you've set the stage for the beginning phases of that person wanting the same thing. So having the intention of wanting to communicate is a big part of it. And then sitting down with all your writing materials and having personal space, which we should have anyway, a room or a time or a porch or somewhere where you know that you will not be disturbed for at least an hour, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and light a candle. Always say a prayer because you, then you know that you're calling on light, you're calling on God, you're calling on the universe, whatever you're comfortable with. You call on for protection because then you know anybody coming through to you is not a game player because you've already asked. And the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. So you've asked for protection and you have the protection there. And then find that place where you won't be disturbed. Now try not to have any preconceptions about what will happen and what you will receive and what they'll say or what they won't say. Try not to say what's going to happen because the less preconceptions you have, the easier it will be to trust what you receive. Now, you may find yourself at first just scribbling. When you first start it, um, getting used to the messages, you may find yourself scribbling. This is, this is receiving automatic writing. This is not automatic writing. Automatic writing, there's two different kinds. One, they take over the pen and they start giving you information and they're writing. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I did where I asked a question, and you can write your question, and then the answer that came in my mind to the question is what I wrote down. I didn't analyze it, and I wrote it down. But when you begin, when you start, you may feel energy, you know, in your hands, in your arms. That's because the thoughts come very fast when you start to write it down, the answer you receive. So you may feel energy in your hand. That's normal because you're receiving it. Just take the deep breath. And at first, like I said, they may feel like it's scribbling or you're saying nothing that really makes sense. But just keep with it. Keep asking your questions. And have a whole list of questions that you would like to ask or things you'd like to talk to this person about and allow those thoughts to come and write it down. Okay. Well, now let me ask you this. When you started to do this, how did you know what you were writing down was coming from someone or that you weren't just using your imagination? Well, the first time when I sat down with my grandfather, and over the years because of the work I've done, I've started to trust what I receive. So Mm -hmm. I had a lot more trust than most people. But I sat down and I said, what do you want to tell me, Papa? I held the pen. I asked. I heard a voice in my head. I felt compelled to write the answer. And the very first thing he said, I said, hello, Papa. And he said, I am so glad you're here, Sherry. There is no separation. The veil is an illusion. Life and death are the same. Time is not real. We are all the plan. From here or there, we are all in a zone of complete oneness. Time is a worldly perception, a necessity to keep the attention. The way we live on this side is we allow thought to come and then we follow it to the next idea, which leads to the complete picture. It's not the one before the other. It's the same. Now, when I'm writing that, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? You know? (laughs) And and, and and you guys might be sitting there going, what is she saying? And that's kind of how it came. It was so profound. It was so deep. I didn't know what he was saying. I didn't try to 
change it or anything. I just let it come. And 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 as it started to come, as I was going along, after I was done with the conversation, and I labeled it conversation number one, conversation number two, and I dated it, um, then I reread it, and I went, whoa, that was very deep, you know? So I, I didn't try to analyze it while it was happening. You know, I do past life regression work, and a lot of times when people do past life regressions, I'm a hypnotherapist, so the, the first thing they say when they come out, they've cried their eyes out, they've felt all this emotion in the past life, they've described the people that they recognize and everything, and they come out of it, and the first thing they say is, wow, how do I know I didn't make that up? <laughs> and and I said, you cried. It wasn't very exciting. You know, you were a nun <laughs> and you were miserable and, you know, and all this stuff, you know. And I said, if you're going to be creative, let's be creative, you know. And because the answers come so fast when you sit down with the automatic writing, you don't make it up. It, it comes from that part of your brain that you're asking the person to come to you. And after a while, after you get used to it and you do it on a regular basis, You'll know it's them. You'll feel it. It'll, it'll, the different idiosyncrasies. Sometimes when I do medium readings, different things come about. Like I'll start moving my hands a thousand miles a minute and not even know why I'm moving my hands. And they'll say, oh, my God, he always did that. He always moved his hands like that. Or all of a sudden I'll feel compelled to get up. And I said, I can't stop pacing. I have no idea why I'm pacing. They'll go, oh, my God, he always paced, you know. Or mm -hmm. she always did this. Or she always – so – so we, you know, there's certain things about them and there's certain things they'll say in the automatic writing that you'll know it's them. So you'll it's a matter of trust, really. You just have to really trust it and go with it do. and really practice it. Practice it, practice it, practice it because that's right. what will help you. And sometimes it's really slow, but you just feel comforted that you're actually going to sit there and connect with them. I mean, that's a comfort in itself, knowing that you can do that, you know, and, and that they're still with you. And it can help to put a picture there, you know, and, and put their picture there and just say, hi, and I just wanted to say hello, and, and you'll get the thought in your head, hello, and, and then you'll ask something else, and then you'll get a thought that you hadn't even thought of. You know, um, I, I think it's really funny. Sometimes, the, one time I had somebody who came for a medium and she wanted her husband to come through, but her mother came through. And she wasn't too happy that her mother came through, <laughs> you know, because she didn't like her mother too much. And she said, why did she come? I don't want her here. And I said, well, I don't have control, you know, all the time of who comes. And she just wants to say that she's sorry. She goes, I'm not interested in her sorry. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, I'm just bridging the gap. You know, I'm just telling you how she feels. And because a lot of times once they go to the other side, they do realize the impact they've had in your life. And they do realize what they've done. And they have let ego get in their way. And, and they know that they've hurt you. And, and you don't have to forgive them, but sometimes they're not even looking for you to forgive them. They're just looking to be able to say, I'm sorry, because some people can't even say sorry in real life, you know. But when they go to the other side, they do realize what they've done. But they don't all of a sudden become a perfect person, though. I mean, when God said that in his heaven there's many mansions, there are many levels. The murderers aren't at the same space as Mother Teresa, you know. I, mean, I wouldn't think so, yeah. No, <laughs> no. And, and, and so when we come to the earth, where it's a pool of everybody who's come from many, many dimensions. So, you know, we're all together and we're subjected to the lunatic's 
you know, in Connecticut, you know. But but when we go to the other side, you know, it's not like that. You know, we, we don't all hang out together in the same pool, you know. Well, and everybody's got to add a different level of learning. It's just like you said here, we're all learning together at different levels. And on the other side, you're learning within your own grade, if you will. Yeah. You know, first grade with high school. So, you know, here it's first grade high school and college and PhDs and masters and everything. And up there it's like, this is elementary school. This is you know, right. middle right. Is high. And the that lessons makes- the lessons are different because, you know, when you think about there was a great guru called Yogananda and Yogananda taught a lot about the other side and heaven and and he said the more you can work in this life with meditation and prayer and connect with your the astral world, the more you can like doing even the automatic writing and connecting with people in the astral world the easier it will be for you and the more you'll see how illusionary this world is and you won't be so attached to your so-called problems, you know. They'll be lifted. That's why meditation is so important in and learning how to, you know, get out of yourself and and be able to see something from another perspective. You know, we are souls. We are souls having a physical body and I know people say that, and they really, really understanding that and working with the soul part of you and fulfilling your soul purpose and connecting and knowing what that is through meditation can really make this a much more enjoyable place to be. Yes, and so many people say, well, I'm just too busy or I don't have time or I can't meditate or it doesn't work for me because I, everything's constantly coming into my head. Well, that's very normal. That's going to happen of when you first start is. to meditate. That's going to happen when you've been meditating for 20 years. Absolutely. Because, if it's a heavy yeah. day and lots of things are happening, it's hard to get out of your head. But mm-hmm. even sitting and allowing yourself to do it. There's one other thing I want to mention because it's very strong when I do media meetings is addiction. I want people to become very clear about this because when you have an addiction, when you have an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction, and that addiction you die from, you don't necessarily get rid of that addiction by dying. You do have to come back in another life and work through an addiction again. So, Yeah, to think that you've escaped it by, oh, well, I'll just do what I want in this life and it doesn't matter and then I'll die and it'll be over. No, it's not. I've had so many instances where people have come back and their addiction, think about ghost tours and they do alcohol ghost tours now, you know, where they Mm -hmm. allow spirits to drink their alcohol. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, so so, um, (laughs) there's no escape with addictions. And just like there's no escape if you hurt another human being and you have to come back and work it out with them, you know. Right. So believing that somehow it doesn't matter and you can do what you want, it's it's not like that. Your soul would be so upset if you died from your addiction, that your soul would want to come back to get free of it again. And so so many do, you know, because once they have the addiction, and the reason why I said bummer is because there are so many people I know that think that, well, you know, once the person died, clean slate. Uh -uh. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, no. No, and that's why they say, oh, well, I was born into alcohol. Yes, you were, and there's a reason that you have the gene of it. The gene Mm -hmm. of it is because you had it before, and here's your time this time to overcome it. That's why programs like AA that are free, that are free, and people who spend endless hours giving of themselves to help people 
I mean, take advantage of things like that, you know. Take advantage of things that allow you. In fact, we're really supposed to be free of all attachment. Our ultimate spiritual growth is to be in this world but not, you know, of this world, you know, to to be able to um, look at something, like you said, and not be so attached to it that you believe somehow that you have to hurt it or you have to push it away or rude to it or whatever, you know. So the, our involvement as a soul is to be able to grow. And growing is admitting to yourself where you really aren't being true to yourself, you aren't being true in your life, you're not being true in your marriage, you're not being true with your friends, you know, to really be honest and 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 be honest with yourself. And if there are things that you need to let go of, let go of them. Let go, mm-hmm. get the help, you know. Do what you have to because, you know, ultimately you are going to go to the other side and ultimately you are going to face whatever it is that you think you're running from right now. Yeah, and that's not that's not a good thing if you're if you're not doing well right now, you might as well try to clean up your act. You know, your last entry was March thirteenth, two thousand and one. Right. Have you had any dialogue with Papa since then? Do you still speak with him? No. No. I it, it just left. It left and it was like I really didn't need to. Um I I mean, different times that I talk about the book or I lecture, I have the book there, I feel his presence. Mm-hmm. And I feel him saying, hey, let's do it, you know, it's time or whatever. But, no, um, I, don't, I, I don't do any automatic writing with him anymore. And mm-hmm. I, haven't felt the, I haven't felt the need to. And that's just like when you finally heal from the death of somebody, you know. You, you still think about them, but you're not, you're not so attached that you're not living your life, you know. We had that time. We had the time on the earth. We had the time when we were writing the book, and maybe I'll fill him even more now that I'm doing even more work. And and but no, I didn't. And it was very fascinating when I did find out that synchronicity that he actually said what was going to happen to me. My mother was told many years ago when she was going to the Spiritual Society Great Britain that your oldest daughter was going to be a very well-known psychic. And she never told me about it. She never told me at all. And when I got on the TV show the first time, she said, oh, I knew that. I was told that you were going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she well, she me. probably thought if she told you, she might actually end up spoiling it. So that was probably yeah, good. Yeah, maybe. You know, yeah. that she yeah, didn't maybe. do it. I cannot believe our time is nearly up. It went by really fast, Sherry. Oh, but gosh. before we go, I, I don't want to sign off yet. I want you to be able to tell your, um, our listeners how they can find out more about you and your work. And I know they can get your book at your website, Sherry, yes. S-H-E-R-E-E, Silver, S-I-L-V-E-R.com. But go ahead and, and tell us anything else that you uh, need to tell them so that they know how to find you and, and find yes. out more about you. Um, I, I'm, like I said, I have a website. I'm also stainaugustinepsychic.com. That's St. Augustine. If you don't remember my spelling, St. Augustine is the town I live in, .com. And, um, also I do, as she said, I do hypnosis. I do readings. I do, uh, phone readings. I do medium readings. I do past life regressions. Um, I do lectures and workshops depending on what's going on. And, um, Anything I can do to help in this field, I love, and I'm constantly growing myself. So, you know, don't ever think there's an end to this. It it just keeps evolving deeper and deeper and deeper. It's like the deepest subject I've ever known. 
<laughs> and all of it is on your website. You can find all that information there and just click on anything to find out more. And listeners, you know, we need to spread the word. If you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, share it with your friends. Send the link to the show so they can be made aware of all the wonderful things that are offered on this program. All of my guests share their time freely. They actually give us a minimum of 60 minutes out of their day to help us all, and they do it at no charge. You pay nothing for the wisdom and knowledge that you receive here at Energy Awareness Radio from all of these wonderful guests who share their time and expertise with us. And Shari, we talked about your book tonight, but we would love to have you back at some point to do some readings if you would. I know people would love to be able to hear from ones who have passed over, you know, that's that's a big, big thing with people. So we'd love to have you back at some point if you're agreeable. Okay, that would be great, yes. <laughs> that would be really good. And I just, I'm so grateful that you were able to take time to come on the show tonight. It's been such a pleasure having you here. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this evening. My name is T-Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 o'clock Eastern Time for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. So go ahead and mark your calendar now so that you remember to tune in next week. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantum-wellness-center.com. There you can find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events that I'll be hosting throughout this coming year. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a wonderful new year that is abundant in only the best of life's offerings. I look forward to hearing from all of you, and thank you all for your continued support. Take care, stay well, and remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Have a great week.
Give me 